Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to thank and pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Hello everyone and welcome to Work in Progress, the personal productivity science insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. Let's get started. Today, I am joined by Dr. Marika Lettingham, Director of the Well Worker Project. She is also a psychologist and burnout specialist. In today's episode, we are talking all about burnout and how and why we should overcome it. Let's get started. Hi, Marika. How are you? Thank you so much for being here. Now, your profession is I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me on. I've read so far. So for those who don't know you, do you mind explaining a bit about who you are and what it is you do? Sure. Well, I've been a psychologist for over 20 years now and I've worked in all kinds of areas of mental health. So lots of treating adults and teenagers for um, disorders like anxiety and depression. Um, but over the last 10 years, I've really been focused on the workplace and the kind of the stress and the burnout and the bullying and other kinds of things that can um, impact you in the workplace. And so, um, around 10 years into my career, I started a um, PhD on burnout um, in health workers. And since then, I've been really, you know, interested in how to make work better. Um, so um, now I have a private practice where I treat people who are experiencing burnout and other workplace issues. And I've also got a business called the Well Worker Project where yeah. we help um, leaders oh, that's um, so interesting. So develop how better did you end um, up workplace well-being sort of in their organisations. Like leaning towards burnout and learning about workplace burnout specifically. Yeah, well, oh, cool. it really started um, when I was working yeah. in Ireland, Dublin in Ireland. And I was working in a mental health program, a day program for people with quite complex mental health issues. And I just remember the conversation around burnout there and how yeah, everyone wow. kind of said, oh, yeah, you only last in this job for a <laughs> couple of years and then you'll burn out. <laughs> and I remember thinking as a fairly young psychologist, this is, um, yeah, I just remember thinking, wow, we're sort of trained to deal with mental health and well-being, and yet we're all going to fall victim to this eventually. And it seems sort of crazy to me. Um, so that's really what started my interest in it. And I felt like I wanted to just dedicate yeah, a few years to, um, to learning about what we can do to better prevent burnout. Um, so that's really what got me started. And then I, I um, worked in academia for about 10 years as well researching oh, and wow, lecturing that's amazing. How in, did you in the area of burnout and um, very, mental health. That's quite far away from Perth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, growing <laughs> up in Perth, you can yeah. feel like life is a little bit limited. Um, and so I managed to, yeah, I managed to convince my elder brother to come with wow. me um, to Ireland and we I got my first job over there as a psych um, and he was working in HR. But, um, oh, yeah, so we were there for five oh, years, so but nice. I never managed to bring oh, him back. I because really want to go to Ireland. It's like a there. big dream of mine. It just, <laughs> yeah. It looks so pretty yeah. and just so kind of, I don't know, magical. But anyway. Yeah. It's a pretty special <laughs> place. On. Okay, so... Um, now I'm going to ask Marika some get-to-know-the-guest yeah. questions. So this is essentially just for the listeners to learn a little bit more about the experts and sort of bring them down to the human level. So I'm going to ask you five questions. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. 
Perfect. Okay. So the first question is, what is a recent book you yeah. have read? Ooh. Well, I read a lot of books. I'm a real okay. bookworm, but um, one of the recent ones I've read was um, called Quiet by Susie Kane. And it's about introversion and mm -hmm. I guess how we can um, harness the powers of our introversion in a, in a sort of a world that is really um, aimed towards extroversion. Um, I found it really useful for myself as a, as an introvert, but also for my clients too, who, um, who tend towards introversion and how they can sort of best manage their energy levels, um, how they can be more productive as an introvert and those kinds of things. So I found that really, um, really good. And there's another, there's a book coming out very soon that I'm very excited about and it's called The Burnout Challenge. Oh, cool. And it's by Exciting. the two leading yeah. researchers in burnout, um, Christina Maslach and Michael Leiter. And both of them are just, yeah, extremely um, smart and dedicated to the area of burnout, but cool. also really yeah. generous. Yeah, I love looking um, forward to a book practitioners too. No so, it's yeah, looking quite, forward to that one. It's quite surreal. Okay, so my second question is uh, what yeah. is a movie you would mm -hmm. recommend? Yeah. Well, I don't watch too many movies these days, um, but okay. I nice. watched um, one the end of last year called The Stranger. I don't know if you've, oh, yeah. you've heard of that one. And it's an Australian movie and it has um, Joel Edgerton oh. in it and the, the topic is quite um, is quite dark wow. in, in okay. that it's around the, um, the disappearance and murder of a young boy in Australia. Um, but the, the reason why I really liked that movie was it was about the undercover detective who actually catched, uh, uh, went undercover and, and caught the murderer. Um, and really the impacts that that particular project or um, task had on him and how his internal experience of having to talk to with this murderer about horrible things that he'd done um, was so incredibly removed from how he, you know, how he had to um, show his reaction to to the murderer. So um, that tension between how he felt and how he had to act was, was really tough on him um, and it sort of showed the impact of how easy it was for yeah. him to parent and, you know, um, and his life, like his personal it. life in general. Right. So, yeah, yeah really say. found that very interesting. Most Australian films are, um, we've got some um, yes, absolutely. people yeah, it's based on here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You're the, you're the second psychologist I've had on today who's um, yeah. told me about yeah, yeah. their love of the true, true crime story. film or podcast. <laughs> I can see how from like a, I can see how from like, yeah, a psychological mm. perspective that would be very fascinating. <laughs> okay, so my third question is yeah. um, who is your famous role model? If you yeah. have one, not everybody yeah. does, so. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I really, there's people oh, I admire yeah. certainly. Um, yeah. And Adam Grant is one of them. He's an organisational psychologist, and he um, he does the um, the podcast Work Life. And I just find him just uh, just really vulnerable and really open, um, really always wanting to learn, um, yeah. really inclusive. He's just sort of yeah. someone that. I aspire <laughs> to, nice. to be like, I suppose, um, in my no, everyday life. Yeah, and he's really smart too. Is your favorite yeah. podcast? Uh, well, I have a lot, but I think the favorite one for me at the moment is the Psych Health and Safety podcast, um, the Australian version, um, because there's a lot happening around workplace wellbeing and that that podcast has a lot of really interesting guests um, talking about workplace wellbeing and the way forward. So I, um, yeah, I love that one. Um, but also oh, Adam Grant and just kind of like um, a few other psych-related podcasts that I enjoy. Yeah. 
not. I like it. I like it. That's cool. Um, and my podcast that only educational for me. Yes, a course you have yeah. completed recently. If you have, or just one you've completed ever. <laughs> That's a very vague question. Yeah. Uh, I, I can think, imagine. I mean, yeah. after doing a <laughs> yeah. PhD, I think you run out of steam for for doing more, um, you yeah. know, formal training. But um, as a psychologist, you continually updating your skills. Oh, cool. um, this year, I've managed yeah. to go to a few face to face conferences, which have been really great on um, workplace well being, and as one I went to recently on doctors' health, um, particularly, and that's an area that. I have a lot of interest in is helping uh, medical professionals avoid burnout. Um, yeah, so, so both of those experiences were really yeah, good and so refreshing cool. in terms of my yeah, knowledge. Everything and, in your life you're um, so passionate about this area, the area, which is great, which is why you're on the show today. So um, as we've already mentioned, we're discussing burnout <laughs> and yeah. more specifically yeah. burnout related to our professional lives, you know, our work, our jobs, etc., and mainly how it affects our personal yeah, our personal productivity. Yeah. So for our listeners, Marika, how would you define personal productivity? Mm-hmm. Well, um, I think most of us psychologists like to look at um, the whole person rather than, you know, our output or that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I tend to think productivity is about doing meaningful tasks, the tasks that are meaningful to you personally, um, that are aimed towards a meaningful goal, um, without, without sort of sacrificing your That's physical and emotional, diverse um, and <laughs> Everyone kind of has their own take on it, uh, which is nice. And I think that's, that is so much of what productivity kind of means is that, you know, being productive for someone else is not going to work for everybody. Um, but yeah, and especially, yeah, when we're talking today about burnout, it's about being able to, yeah, be your best self and work towards your best self without, um, yeah, kind of killing Mm -hmm. yourself in the process. So over the course of your experience, Um, What do you think people get wrong when it comes to personal productivity? Um, I think what I see a lot is people tend to um, assume that they can um, sustain high levels of um, stress and intensity and pressure and workloads and environments for a long period of time Um, but you can't you just can't because the way that our stress response um, Mm. works is that eventually that will start to have an impact on your whole body Um, and so you know people also assume that I just (laughs) got to get through this and then things will calm down and actually most of the time that doesn't happen most of the time there's more tasks that come um, and so that that magical time where things mm-hmm. calm down really never happens until we mm. consciously yeah, set definitely. limits and I boundaries think, and yeah, really have a sort of strategy kind of thinking, around okay, that. Okay, like, you know, the payoff later, the payoff later, and, you know, as, like, I'm a fifth year in law school now, so there's a lot of the, the payoff later, the payoff yeah. later kind yeah. of conversations that are going on, yeah. Yeah, and so... Yeah, and I see a lot of you know I, I see a lot of um, doctors and lawyers yeah. in my practice, and going through that intensity of that study, yeah, exactly. and then launching yourself into a really high pressure career as a junior, um, you often find people burn out. You know, a few years into that career because they've yeah, sustained exactly, it for so it long, and then they're you know adding to it, and, and their responsibility is getting higher and higher. By the time we get to the payoff, I'm going to be like fifty. <laughs> Yeah. I'm really in my 20s. I don't want to have to wait like that long to get some kind of magical payoff <laughs> where I'll get to do nothing only for like yeah. the next 40 years if I'm lucky. Um, yeah. Yeah. Exactly, so we have to sort of figure exactly. out how we can get the, the payoff in small moments <laughs> right now. Um, I so going back to 
burnout. Um, before we kind of yeah. get further into that discussion, for the listeners, how would you define burnout? Like, what does it mean from your perspective? Well, it's not a psychological disorder. It's it's a workplace phenomenon. That's always a difficult word to say. Um, and the world health organization has recognized it um it's recognized internationally now as a workplace phenomenon um but so that means that sort of it, it occurs in the context of work um and it's also widely accepted that there's three parts to burnout one of them is feeling emotionally um drained and exhausted the second one is feeling cynical or negative and the third one is feeling less capable, less um, able to do a good job at what you're doing. So there's these three parts that make up that um, the burnout syndrome that sets it apart from other other yeah, sort of things that might it's, be going on for someone yeah, like depression or, or just fascinating. I was listening kind of to a podcast this morning just by accident. It came up and I was listening to um, I think her name Ariana Huffington. Um, she created that Huffington Post and she was on um, Ashley Graham's podcast, yeah. who I adore, yeah. and they were speaking yeah. about burnout because it was one of the first things that came mm -hmm. up because obviously like when she was, she changed a lot of the dynamic at Huffington because of like yeah. she experienced burnout and it had a lot of medical repercussions that like the doctors at the hospital couldn't, diagnosed because they were like there's nothing wrong with you but also <laughs> there's everything wrong with you kind of situation and the the doctor that finally mm -hmm. came to her and was like we yeah. can't diagnose you with anything yeah. he said but you have the yeah. disease of civilization that we've pushed humans yeah he's like we've pushed humans so far to this point where their bodies uh, yeah. are no longer coping yeah. with like the pressures that yeah. you put yourself under essentially mm -hmm. um so yeah, it's really interesting. That's right. Mm. Yeah. And I think she's a really good example of um, Ariana Huffington. She was sort of like most people who are burning out in that yeah. she really only um, recognises something was really wrong when she passed out her, mm. at her desk and she created this big head wound from um, sort of fainting on her desk. And, yeah, and that's often exactly. when there's physical symptoms, that's when people will sit yeah, up and go, exactly. on, this is I really think that here. just comes from that because kind it's of often like before that, that, that we need to actually take action. Culture of just sort of like, if there's nothing physically wrong with you, then you're fine. You know, like it's very much, and you, like I've, I hear my dad say it, like, you know, unless you're, like, you don't need to go to the yeah. hospital, the doctor. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's a bit of an Australian kind of thing. I like, it's an international phenomenon. Like you hear it, you know, in Australian parents all the time, you know, unless, unless your yeah. head's fallen off, then you're, you're fine. Get, get on with it. Um, but yeah, it is quite sad yeah. that we kind of have to get to that physical point where our bodies start to kind of rebel and be like, you're not supposed to be doing this. <laughs> yeah. And that, I guess um, that's um, a lot of my research has been on that particular problem of yeah. why is it so hard for people to recognize burnout before their body starts to fall apart. And it's generally because they start to blame themselves. Yeah. They start to think, Oh, I just need to be more, you know, resilient or I need yeah. to have better time management skills or I need to just um, not be so sensitive or whatever. Um, and that stops them from actually recognising yeah. it. That oh, stops yeah, them from getting totally. Help. And it's something that I've definitely experienced those kinds in, like, of things. my so that's own real barrier. life for a lot of last year. And even my colleagues can attest to this. I was, like, sick just, like, the whole time. Mm. And I was, like, constantly sick, constantly injuring myself just like all the time, just like yeah. there was always just like this consistent kind of underlying, just like grossness that I yeah. felt and I was always tired, always just, and I got blood tests and scans and all this stuff. And they were mm -hmm. like, there's nothing like 
wrong with you? <laughs> so like, why are you not functioning? Yeah. And then mm. finally my doctor was just like, let me see your calendar. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, what do you actually do? And like, she's been seeing me since like my first year of law school and yeah. she was looking at yeah. all of my stuff. And, and because I have to be a very organized person just because of my lifestyle and just having like, I have a very intense calendar with like lots of you know, micro scheduling, all this kind of stuff. And she was like, you need to, she's like this, all of this needs to go. She was like, this needs mm-hmm. to be mixed completely for like a solid, for like a solid chunk of your time yeah. before you can even think about adding back mm-hmm. like two or three things, which is so, I think it's just so hard to do because you think, I can cope with this. I can cope with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just think, cause I was like, no, like I have to do all those things. She's like, no, you don't. I must do this. <laughs> she's, yeah. like, no. she's like, you don't yeah. have to do that. She's like, just like work and mm. eat and sleep. And she's like, that's it. <laughs> she's like, that's, that's all. Yeah. But it took mm-hmm. like a whole year mm-hmm. of that's sort a re- of very wise doctor different yeah. specialist before my doctor was like, what do you mm. mean do every day? <laughs> how much do you sleep (laughs) but um anyway so going back to (laughs) productivity how does experiencing burnout influence an individual's personal productivity uh well in lots of ways um one of the big um symptoms of burnout is withdrawal so you tend to withdraw from people around you um Mm. it's sort of like depression in that way in that when you're suffering from depression you tend to withdraw um from the things that might help you and the similar thing happens in burnout um so that might mean that you maybe don't collaborate very well Mm. or you close yourself off um to feedback from your boss or from your colleagues um, it might mean that you start to, you know, eat lunch in at your desk instead of in the, the lunchroom. So you don't have that, that chance to get that support from your colleagues and that, that sense of camaraderie. Um, you might start to make mistakes. So um, burnout affects our cognitive function. And so yeah. we're, not able, we're not able to perform, you know, such complex tasks without making mistakes. Um, you might start cutting corners and that's, I think when someone's burnt out, that's when they're at risk of, um, of making decisions that put them in hot water or are a little unethical or get them into trouble in some way. Um, you might lose hope and lose sight of, of your original personal goals. Um, so you sort of lose that, that drive, um, yeah, to move forward, yeah. which lots again of, impacts your motivation kind of ability like to get things flags, done. But they all, but I feel like, yeah, cause it's such a, it's only sort of been recognized, yeah. I know, at least by like world health and all this kind of thing. It's not, it hasn't been, it's not something that's like quite old yet. It's not something that you hear about mm-hmm. kind of like in a professional kind of capacity. It's just sort of like, Oh yeah, I'm a bit burnt out, but it's like, Oh, you know, what does that actually mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think the conversation is definitely changing. I've noticed over the last two years uh, when I, when I started my um, PhD in uh, 2008, I think it yeah. was, um, the, the people, you know, people didn't know what burnout was. Um, they were like, what's, what's burnout? Like, what does that mean? But nowadays there's a lot more conversation yeah, about right. it. There's actually recognition that burnout is caused by the workplace. Um, there's a lot of, um, mm. you know, articles in all kinds of um, media outlets on burnout people are coming out and talking about their own experiences. So I think that's helping yeah. a little bit to, think, um, like, to help people recognize when they experience like, burnout. Kind of like the little coverage that it's had to sort of like in the past decade. But do you think it's something that people are suffering from more than they were before? Like, do you think this new kind of like generation or this new time, not post COVID, but just like in the past, like couple years, do you think it's something that people are struggling with more than they were like, let's say a decade ago? Mm. 
Okay. Yeah, I definitely um, think so. And certainly the stats show that. Um, and partly mm. that's because a lot of our work has become sort of automated. Yeah, and so the work that we're left with is, is all the really um, intense, complex tasks. Yeah, so, so if, we, if you cram yeah. your day, your week, your year with just intense, complex tasks or difficult tasks that a computer can't do, you can see that that's going to be more draining over time. Um, but also I think the, the pandemic has a big um, role in that people sort of coped right the way through the pandemic because they had to, they had to get through, through lots of different um, uh, situations and people have run out of steam. And so there's a lot of burnout that's, that's coming up now as opposed to during the pandemic because people have mm. coped and they've coped and they've coped and it's gone on for yeah, a lot definitely. longer than I think it was, there was noticeable kind of like change in the air, now. especially going back to uni for the first time, like sort of 2022 was a lot of, a lot of people's first time on campus. And for myself, it was like the first time we'd actually been back in a classroom with people for about after about two years like we had one nice little semester in there where it was like oh okay and then no and then you know Melbourne pulled the carpet back out from under us um but it was the first time we kind of done the classroom thing yeah. after like two years and you could just feel like everyone was just like really lethargic mm. and the energy was really low even the professors were just like everyone was just really having a bad time but nobody mm. really knew kind of like what mm -hmm. was going on and um it was really different mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean i yeah. was yeah. running oh a goodness. program at the time and had to move everything online and that's exhausting teaching online and being a student online yeah, is exhausting. Definitely. Um, and we thought it was like, and so, well, yeah, we came I think out of it it's and we were back at uni and we were like, oh, okay, okay, back to normal life, off we go. Yeah. And then everyone was just like really tired all the time and everyone, like mm -hmm. we were talking to each other and we ended up like as a, <laughs> just now, I don't know if this was like a thing for everyone else, mm. but at our uni anyway, it was like the post-pandemic depression kind of like everyone was just so exhausted from just like, surviving for the past yeah. two years and doing law school during that and like trying to get through that and then get to the other end mm -hmm. and then you're expected to produce the same results and it's just like hang on it's exactly. just like i just yeah. i just did that <laughs> like give me a give me a second and yeah it was really weird everyone mm -hmm. everyone knew there was something but you couldn't yeah. you couldn't exactly sort of pin it yeah exactly. it was really yeah. weird it was definitely interesting, but um, yeah, so from yeah. a professional mm. perspective, you definitely saw yeah. like COVID has that effect on people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, mm. You know, during when COVID first started and so on, there was a lot more sort of presentations of anxiety. Yeah. But now um, it's much more around burnout and running out of steam. Um, uh, you know, for, across all, all kinds of professions. Um, and I think the latest really? um, research suggests that really? Australia is, is one of the countries that's suffering the most. Why, why do you think that is? Mm, professionals in Australia are feeling extremely burnt out. Yeah. Mm. Um, it, you know, I wonder whether it could be that our yeah. um, experience in in Australia has been slightly different to yeah. other countries in terms of, you know, being in lockdown and being protected um, and, you know, yeah, waiting for the inevitable infection of COVID mm. and so on. Um, so we're all living in a sort of state of anxiety for, yeah, for definitely. a, a we long do time things, rather than yeah. back to our community <laughs> life. Some other places. We still had it, you know, pretty okay, but um, it wasn't wasn't ideal mm. at least not here in melbourne it was it was pretty it was pretty not good it was it was pretty not good yeah no no but in perth it was um yeah, yeah. We, were, we were extremely lucky in a lot of ways exactly. but in some ways it, it also not, prolonged yeah, that sense of anxiety ideal, um, situation, of waiting yeah, and watching. Now that we're, it's kind yeah. of post-covid sort of or at least in australia it feels like we're kind of mm. post 
well, we're kind of past it. It's still there, but like we're kind of everyone's just started to just yeah. I just ignore it because they can't deal with it anymore. I think. Yeah. Just from what I've heard, just from other people, everyone's just like, I can't do this anymore. Like, this is exhausting. That's right. Yeah. 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 But then you've got you know a certain yeah, exactly. portion of the population who are you know yeah. you know compromised and their life has yeah been, exactly there's know, definitely um yeah like um, as much going as back to normal I suppose like yeah. sort of as much as you want to ignore it to get past it there's just so many people who are just still being affected by it you know like health workers are still under so much strain and you know people with you know elderly or like just mm. immune compromised people it's just like it's still mm. there's still that level but anyway okay so getting back to <laughs> we're going off on a bit, of a, a bit of a tangent here um but getting back to burnout and work related <laughs> to burnout so work for at least in Australia consumes yes. most of our lives and for many people and it often can be difficult to kind of not get carried away and sometimes mm-hmm. we lose our work-life balance does anybody really know what that is kind of situation um and this sort of like culminating into potential burnout so what are some strategies that we can adopt to avoid experiencing burnout at work, especially when taking into account sort of the factors that are not under our control. Mm. Well, I think you you read a lot of articles Mm. um, nowadays about um, doing more mindfulness or, you know, um, doing relaxation or yoga or, you know, that kind of thing. And there's definitely a place for those in terms of um, having a good self-care routine um, and learning how to um, unwind when you're not at work. But um, burnout is is a bit more complicated than that because it's really about um, a crisis of your values. So it happens when people are really um, motivated and passionate about what they do and then that passion gets drained away. Um, and so it's not as simple as just being a bit more mindful or being, you know, a bit more relaxed. So it's a bit more complicated than that. But what we do know is that burnout is impacted by um, a few different factors um, in the workplace. And those are autonomy. So having the ability to sort of choose how you do your work or when you do your work, um, those kinds of things. Um, Role clarity, so knowing what you're meant to be doing and where your job sort of begins and ends. Um, Work overload, we're all familiar with that one. So that's when there's just too much work to do in the time that you have, or there's too much consistent pressure. Like I spoke about before, it's we can't actually sustain high pressure for long periods of time because that will cause burnout. Um, so if, if the workload is too high, then that's certainly something that causes burnout. Um, reward. So some people, um, it's really important for them to, for example, get paid, you know, um, a reasonable wage. So you might have seen sort of some, some of the nurses um, going on strike um, because yeah, of totally. you know, they yeah. want more pay because they feel like they, you know, they want to be recognised for the work that they do. Um, a reward could also be, you know, positive feedback or just being recognised for, you know, the things that you do. It doesn't have to be money. It could just be, um, you know, recognition in, in terms of um, uh, people pointing out that they appreciate you. Um, and having a lack of community, so that's a lack of connection with the people around you. So like I spoke about before, when you withdraw and you're not spending any time talking to your colleagues or there's no colleagues around, so maybe sometimes, you know, people go back into the office after, you know, everyone's been working from home for a long time and there's no one there. There's no one there to talk to and so they become very isolated. Or maybe there's, you know, a toxic kind of culture and there's a bit of bullying going on or it becomes sort of really unsafe to say when you're not feeling so well and that kind of thing. So that can all impact. 
And so those areas, those five um, areas, I think that was five. Yep, that's five. Um, <laughs> they all contribute to burnout. And so what we really need to do is figure out which one of those areas, autonomy, role clarity, work overload, reward and community, which of those are the most stressful to us? Which is our biggest hazard? So if we can take the time to think about, for me personally, autonomy is really important, um, which is why I sort of have my own business now, um, why I kind of enjoy being an academic most of the time, um, because there's a lot of autonomy. That was really important because when I didn't have that sense of autonomy, that created a lot of stress for me. Yeah. So that would be the one area that there's, um, you know, some opportunity to figure out how you can get more autonomy in your work. Um, if you're not so clear on your role, so you don't have that role clarity, um, talking to your manager about getting a better sense of your job description and where it begin begins and ends, for example, and where you can say no to things, where you can delegate, um, that can really help. Um, you know, lack of community. So thinking about, do you have enough opportunity to connect with people? Um, and if not, how can you create that for yourself? How can you link in with people? So even, you know, I, I know a lot of soul practitioners, uh, psychologists who work on their own, um, but they still need that connection and that's really important to them. So they have to actually make the effort to develop those connections and links with people to get that support. Um, so that would be the first big thing in preventing burnout is becoming aware of the areas in work life that cause you the most stress. Um, and then I would um, think about how you're going to unwind when you're outside of work. So we do actually need to discharge the stress that we've um, accumulated in our body throughout the day. So figuring out how you can do that. Do you do that by being around people that you love or doing some physical exercise? Yeah. Um, do you do that by being outside in nature yeah, or eating a healthy diet? Yeah. You Interesting. Know, those, yeah, those I like those, um, those. those five um, kind of like the different ones. Yeah. I think that's very helpful. And yeah. Yeah, so that's that's sort of the um, – based on the what we call the JDR model of burnout, so the job demand resource um, model, burnout, um, which a lot of interventions around burnout in the workplace are based on. Um, so it's got a lot of um, good scientific um, background to it. And I guess the, um, the last one would be uh, there's been a study recently on doctors and um, they found that the, the doctors that spent more time on tasks that they find personally meaningful were much less likely to be burnt out. So it's actually figuring out what is it about your job that you, that you get a buzz out of, that you really enjoy, that you get some meaning out of, and how can you lean into that a little bit more and the other stuff a little bit less. And that's sort of what we call job crafting, where we can create a, a role yeah, that's that so interesting. Yeah, I really, really like that. Keeps us those alive kind of combinations, and, and I feel like you could, yeah, definitely help yourself using those different things because it's not going to come down to just sort of like one thing or the other, but it's definitely yeah a combination mm. of different things, and it's going to be unique to each person, like you said before. You know, having that autonomy or being able to decide um, what to delegate, what to say yes to, and I think I've definitely found it helpful just in this job, kind of um, learning mm. where the barriers of my role are. Um, just sort of like as a podcast host, sort of how much do I have to, <laughs> how much do I have to say, um, yeah. you know, my input on things or how much can I kind of lean out or delegate? And it's, um, definitely yeah, a little bit more mm. difficult. I feel like when you have, mm -hmm. you know, sort of like leadership roles or sort of roles where you're kind of heading up different things and, you call you the face of something. It's like it's a lot more difficult to say no because it's kind of like, oh, okay, is this is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Mm. <laughs> yeah, 
Absolutely, and leaders are certainly not immune to um, to burnout. But it's um, you know again they should have a sense yeah. of um, clarity around what their role is and where they can you know escalate things. But um, also a, yeah. a good sense of what personally do they find the most stressful? Do yeah. they find conflict the most stressful thing? Maybe they could do with some coaching around that. Or do they find, um, you know, yeah. Uh, di- yeah, difficult conversations or giving, you know, negative feedback really challenging? And how could they, how could they improve in that regard? Um, yeah. So yeah, figuring out for the leaders so what's the most stressful um, area of, like of their role, stress and stressful situations them. and all those kinds of things. And oftentimes, burnout and stress are thought to be the same thing. They have a lot of similar traits, but however, that is not the case. Um, they are, you know, distinct, mm-hmm. separate things. So, what yeah. would you say are, you know, in your professional opinion, what would you say are the differences between these two things? Well, you can't have burnout without stress. But um, I think a good way to sort of um, characterise it is that stress involves too much, too much of everything, like too much um, pressure, too many deadlines, you know, you're over-focused, you've got too much emotional engagement. Um, There's this constant sense of urgency or being in a rush. Um, There might be a lot of energy to get things done. Um, you might have some anxiety, which is like our thoughts sort of speeding up a bit and, and worrying about all possible um, scenarios that might happen. But the thing about stress is that there's an end in sight. Like you said, you know, you sort of think, oh, I'll get through these exams and things will like get better. But with burnout, it, which is the end point of chronic stress, it's characterised by too little. So stress is too much stuff. Too, too many, you know, too much focus and concentration and energy and so on. Because burnout is too little. So that's when we have too little motivation, too little engagement. Um, we sort of lose our care factor, you know. We lose a sense of meaning of what we're doing, um, a sense of hope for what we're doing. We, you know, don't have enough energy. We don't have enough focus and those kinds of things. So I like to... I think about it as like, yeah, too much versus too little. Yeah. Um, but yeah, burnout being yeah, the, definitely you know, very the, yeah, much the end, end destination point of a refugee um, stress. That's for stress. Sure. Yeah. Um, so tying into that, what would you say sort of to individuals yeah. who claim that they work well under stress and sort of therefore kind of keep it kind of flowing in their lives? Like would this not eventually lead to burnout? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so it's true that some people are more productive um, under stress and, you know, um, depending on their own personal psychology and you often find people who are, mm-hmm. you know, for example, have ADHD, they work much better under um, the stress of an impending deadline um, because it can motivate us, it can help us focus, mm-hmm. um, the brain sort of, is almost activated to see a threat that's coming and so it pours all its resources um, into getting something done. But if the stress never returns to a normal level and our body never gets to sort of calm down, then um, eventually that will, you know, lead to burnout. And particularly when you have this stress level that stays high and then you have maybe another stressor like, maybe, uh, you know, a bad boss or maybe a bit of bullying or maybe there's extra, you know, kind of um, conflict at work and that kind of thing. So that will co- combine with this, this continual level of chronic stress to, um, to lead to burnout for sure. Um, and so that's what leaders really need to be aware of is that you just you cannot have these chronic um, high levels of workload and stress for, for long periods of time and they need to be recognising those high levels and then counteracting yeah. counteracting those high sort of pressure periods with some low pressure periods 
um, and sometimes even just going into back for your employees yeah. and pushing back on deliverables or pushing back on on deadlines yeah, exactly. to protect them from productive sort and of like long term part of the role of a leader being able to sort of have that consistent yeah exactly being able to consistently have yeah, employees because otherwise you'll lose like people. having them when they're good and then getting mm-hmm. rid of them when they finally reach their burning point um i'm interested kind of like we're obviously we're here to yeah. talk about workplace burnout but is this something that like parents can also experience sort of like in their parental roles is that kind of like a realm that you've sort of like seen or is this is this am i going off on a different tangent here (laughs) well i mean burnout is discussed in terms of um informal um roles such as caring roles so if you're caring for a family member um or a you know child it can affect you with similar feelings like losing losing that sense of compassion um and feeling emotionally drained and so on but um strictly speaking um the burnout definition um relates to the workplace um that's not to say that yeah people certainly i've I've met many clients who also feel that way of um of feeling just completely drained and emotionally exhausted and feeling negative and cynical and so on um yeah so i think yeah maybe that's another sort of area of research that needs to happen yeah um, and not so defined interesting but it's not so it's not, not moving so much, on to my next question um, in the literature like we've at the discussed moment. kind of strategies yeah. that you can adopt to overcome work you know burnout and those kinds of things but what happens sort of when those strategies don't suffice or for example you know they're overpowered due to external factors like at what point should people take more drastic measures of seeking full change even if that comes at like a more personal risk yeah I think um, if your well-being is being impacted, um, as in your uh, mood or your eating or sleeping pattern is being impacted, or you're starting to dread going to work, or you have that you know funny knot in your stomach when you think about going to work. Um, so if your yeah. um, daily functioning is impacted, then you should definitely be doing something about it. Um, because the earlier that you can um, intervene with burnout, the the shorter the time it takes to recover from it. Um, and so I think the first thing you should really do is talk to your manager because, as we know, burnout is a workplace phenomenon and it yeah. doesn't occur without the workplace and therefore you need to involve the workplace with its mm. remedy. Um, and I've had a lot of clients who have felt really, really worried about that and they've had a, ended up having a great conversation with yeah. their yeah, manager totally. and just felt like, oh, I, things are going to be okay. I'm going to find my way through this. And, um, and the other really good piece of news is that there's now new legislation um, brought in by um, WA, Western Australia, New South Wales and Tasmania and other states are following uh, fairly closely um, whereby it's um, it's the employer's responsibility to manage um, risks to people's psychological health. So every workplace needs to have a strategy to reduce yeah, wow. the psychological um, hazards to their workers and then manage them as well. Um, and so going to talk to your manager about how you're feeling yeah. isn't just bothering them. You're actually um, informing yeah, them of exactly. a potential hazard here. And if you're being affected, then it's likely that other people are also getting affected too. Um, so if you make no headway with your manager, sometimes managers um, struggle in these kinds of scenarios and don't know what to say, um, go and talk to the health and safety team because they often have a better idea of um, yeah. the um, direct link between workloads or workplace culture with people's health and well-being. Um, 
take some time off if you can. See a psychologist because that can really help you um, figure out what part of the workplace is really impacting you the most. Sometimes it takes talking to someone to find your way through and, and better understand it. Yeah. And make plans to find a workplace that better protects your mental health. That's, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I we think shouldn't it's, stay yeah, somewhere that consistently and fails to do that. comes with like an easy answer, especially if you're kind of trying different ways to combat it. But as long as you're, yeah, making sure that you're putting like your health first and that you're kind of making those mm-hmm. steps, um, then yeah, just like give it your give it your best go, give it your best shot. So we're going to move into the practice habit experiment debrief uh, part of the podcast. So this is essentially where um, I ask the professionals and the experts sort of what they do to um, kind of navigate the topic at hand. So obviously we're talking about burnout. Um, So I'm going to ask Marika, uh, what is the practice that you do to overcome burnout at work? Well, um, mm. I have actually burned out before in my yeah. career and it was really not pleasant. Yeah. And so I'm very careful these days. No, no. Um, particularly if you're someone who's very um, committed to what you want to do and then you find like that you, you no longer that feel that way. It's really um, shocking. So um, what I do is I make sure that I spend more time doing tasks that are personally meaningful. So I make sure that I either outsource or minimise the tasks that I find draining. <laughs> yeah, me too. For me, that means having a receptionist to answer the phone because I hate talking on the phone. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, um, so figuring out a work life that really maximises the stuff that I love. Um, making um, sure that I... Um, don't have screen time um, late at night um, or work. I don't work late into the night either because that affects my sleep. And the final one would be probably um, I try and deal with any worries that I have immediately. So I figure it out straight away instead of letting it work. Do you find that tends to kind of set the worry in terms of like making sure that you act on it straight away or...? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's sort of relate, you know, drawing on cognitive behavior therapy mm. techniques of looking at worries and sort of figuring yeah, out, exactly. you know, the reality of them and or the, you know, mm. a healthy yeah, way to exactly. think about yeah, them. Yeah, we spoke about that earlier um, today in terms sort of, of like, yeah, figuring out yeah, those worrying thoughts. Are they yeah. true? Are they helpful? All this kind of stuff. Um, yeah, so my next question is uh, what are three yeah. good things about these practices that you mentioned? I think um, the thing about burnout is that everyone is different and burnout is driven by different things for different people. And so um, having a good self-knowledge for yourself about what it is that you find personally meaningful and enjoyable and, and motivating in your work life will likely protect you from burnout, you know, for in the years to come and yeah. will help you create a career that's going to yeah, um, give you that sense of meaning and purpose say, uh, that we all need. Like, do you face any challenges when you do these practices? Um, yeah, I mean, sometimes you sort of, um, you can only get so far on your own. And so sometimes you, you know, you need to discuss it with someone or have a sounding board, um, Mm. when it comes to figuring out what adjustments you need to make in your work life to make things feel better or less, um, stressful and so on, you know, so I, you know, maybe would discuss that with my husband or, you know, a professional or a coach, um, and so, yeah, there's sometimes yeah. staying internal yeah, is not enough. We need so to actually share our worries and concerns and work things through. Your personal productivity or perception of life, as it says in the question. 
Um, well, I, I guess um, if you're yeah. doing things that are meaningful, you're going to be intrinsically motivated. You're motivated to get things done. And so you're going to do better in what you're doing and you're going to have more energy to do it. Um, so, you know, I know that if I have to make a phone, phone call, as we know, we both hate that. And so I'll put that off, you know. Yeah. Um, but if I'm doing something that's meaningful, yeah. you know, I will be very engaged in that and I'll have more energy and passion that for that. Would recommend you kind of combine with this practice or, you know, combined with to improve this particular practice? Hmm. Yeah. Well, I think you can't really attack burnout just from one direction yeah. so you can't just do say mindfulness and expect that you will never experience burnout we have to look at our work life as you know a holistic thing and think about we need that meaning we need that relaxation we need that um that good sort of relationships with people at work uh, we need to feel like we're moving forward and growing yeah. and learning and that kind of thing um, so, so looking at all the parts to your work life, um, and making sure that you're sort of yeah, aware definitely. of areas that well, maybe you need to answering all those questions. Of, um, We're going to go well-being. into audience questions now. Um, so we just got one question here and this person has asked, when I feel like I'm burning yeah. out, I tend to procrastinate and it makes me feel guilty that I would, it makes me feel so guilty that I would become more depressed and no work is done. What can I do to break this cycle? Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Ah, yeah. Procrastination. Something I'm very familiar with as a university lecturer. Um, yeah. So I, I guess um, I would first of all list all the, the excuses that you tell yourself um, that get in the way. So often it's like, Oh, I need to feel, you know, focused or I need to feel energetic or I need to feel like doing it or I need yeah. to um, have my office perfectly clean before I can start that or, you know, that kind of thing and recognise when they're coming up and seeing mm -hmm. that as, oh, that's just just a thought that gets in the way of me starting this task. Um, and then I would also look at that task and break it down into the tiniest little parts so if you've ever kind of walked into a kitchen yep. and seen a massive <laughs> yeah. dishes that need to be done, you're like, you want to run away, right? But if you tell yourself, okay, I'm just going to, um, I'm going to wash the glasses now, yeah? And then I'll do the rest later. Chances are, once you start to wash the glasses, you'll start to feel yeah. a little bit less hopeless. You'll start <clears> to feel like this isn't so bad. I can get this done. And you'll continue on but really the the tip uh, or the trick of um you know getting through yeah. procrastination yeah. is to set your sights really low and make a really small thing that you need to start with yeah um because that generally yeah, is like what makes you feel better and feel so like you can carry on with what like you're very doing. achievable goals can just be like such a nice kind of like reward system for the brain it's like oh I did something <laughs> when I thought that I couldn't do anything. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a nice feeling. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. No. Like if you say <laughs> yeah, to exactly. yourself, I want to write the whole essay, oh, too much, right? Yeah. So instead of that, maybe I want to, you know, um, put the references together. Yeah, definitely. We've spoken a lot about, like, on this show about, um, outline of it. you know, productivity and what that mm -hmm. actually means and how to make it achievable in the day-to-day -day life so that we're not, you know, procrastinating and getting to that point of being burnt out, giving ourselves sort of, like, achievable goals because a lot of the time when we set goals that are not achievable and we expect ourselves to do them in very short amount of time, we get disappointed and then we don't want to do them anymore and all this kind of stuff. So, yeah, we've spoken a lot about, um, yeah. yeah, making small goals mm. Yeah. And just very, very small, minute, just like achievable things. Just like things that you know you're mm. going to do, but then when you do them, you're like, oh, that was nice. Mm. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. And, and noticing that you've done it too is, is important. Um, yeah. And I think, yeah. um, I, I read, uh, atomic habits. You probably read that yeah, one too. Definitely. That was, that was pretty good that. in, in terms of developing new habits and, and so on. Um, yes. but yeah, I think this time of year is rife for New Year's resolutions. Yeah, exactly. And so on. I think having New Year's resolutions. Maybe just thinking about what's important to you. I know, when I was younger, but now I'm just kind of like, I have just sort of more like aims and not so much kind of like resolutions, but it's just like, you know, this year I want to, you know, look after myself more mm. or, you know, make sure that mm-hmm. I am, you know, eating properly or like, you know, and then mm-hmm. sort of thinking about, okay, what can I do to actually help get myself sort of to mm. that point instead of being like, you know, you have to lose 10 kilos or like, you know, you've got to read 50 books mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, and you put like a, like a number to it. And sometimes that helps yeah. people, but like I personally find it just makes me not want to do it. Cause I'm like, well, if I don't achieve it, mm-hmm. then I'm just going to be sad. <laughs> this is not going to start it at all. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Joining a gym. Yeah. New Year's, yeah. New Year's day it's gym. Like joining a gym. Oh, that's always interesting. Um, anyway, <laughs> so moving into the open mind mm. part of the podcast now. So this is yeah. where the guest essentially gets to talk about whatever they want to. Um, doesn't have to be related to productivity. It can be about whatever Marika wants to talk about. So you're essentially the host now. <laughs> Go for your life. Oh gosh. Um, yeah, so I guess um, I feel I'm, I feel like this year is going to be a big one for um, workplaces to improve employees' mental health, and that's been um, sort of backed by the legislation now. So um, there's actually going to be sort of um, consequences for workplaces that don't um, develop a strategy to sort of assess and manage and um, prevent uh, psychosocial risks, so risks to people's psychological health at work, um, which to me is a, is a huge breakthrough because up until now, um, you know, burnout and, you know, bullying and other kinds of workplace psychological impacts it's been seen as sort of uh, a murky area that it's not as important as a physical injury. But the big shift this year is that it's now been made as important as a physical injury. And so I think that listeners can really feel um, confident in addressing any problems that they're having with their manager because that is part of their role now. Um, and you're allowing, and it's, it's like saying, hey, um, that staircase is falling down, you know, you're helping them by pointing out the hazard because, you know, someone could break a leg. Um, and the same thing with the work overload or, or the, those other kinds of hazards. Um, so, yeah, I feel very um, positive about this change and our, um, uh, our company, the Well Worker Project, is really focused on helping mm-hmm. um, organisations to Definitely, figure out yeah, what their particular hazards sort of like are in their workplace and how to, um, they how to manage are. those and prevent them as well. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of uh, a lot of employers are sort of grappling yeah. with, well, how do we do this? I mean, what's you know, how do we do yeah. workplace mental exactly. health? Exactly. So you said that first of all, you need to figure out what's been already you know, taken up and what's actually going on for your people. Tasmania yeah. and Sandia. Ah, just by WA, Tasmania, and New South <laughs> Wales. <laughs> yeah, and I think Victoria yeah. is. I was going to say, I can uh, see not too far uh, away. the East Coast would be um, reluctant. They'd yeah. be like, oh, come uh, on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But generally, there is um, uh, yeah. um, Safe Work, uh, was it um, WorkSafe Australia? Is, um, yeah, has released sort of guidelines for the, the country so on how to, I never really thought how to address these. I never thought that that would be um, like a thing. Hazards. It just never really occurred so, to me like, yeah, oh, yeah, like, you know, work and all that kind of stuff, and that sucks. But, mm. like, 
case there are like that's what you that's what happens when you put the yeah. human race in a like building but yeah i guess that's becoming it's definitely something that people are starting to like yeah. take notice of in terms of how it's actually affecting <clears throat> how it's actually affecting their their company and the company's productivity and yeah i guess <laughs> yeah yeah because i think the the cost Definitely. of mental health is so much higher than a physical injury at work so um the, you know re rehabilitation is a lot longer and so on um so yeah it's definitely within employers <laughs> yeah exactly thankfully to, yeah, now they um, actually do something have to about it do but now they actually have to that we have, have to, to get it, it to yep. a point where it starts to yeah. have a financial effect before mm -hmm. anyone's like oh okay we should probably do something about this <laughs> Yeah, but thankfully, yeah, we're mm. finally finally getting something in there, yeah. which is great. So yeah. that pretty much brings us to the end of our show today. Thank you mm. so much, Dr. Yeah. Marika Lettingham, for being here. It's been so wonderful having you on the show, and we've learned so much about burnout, which I think everyone will really enjoy. It's been wonderful. <laughs> That's great. great. And for those who want I love to, to find out more about, so, about you um, and what you do, um, where can they go? Yeah. Well, I'm on LinkedIn, um, Dr. Marika hey. Lettingham, and I am on Instagram. I finally got with the times and I share some burnout um, prevention tips on Instagram. Yeah. And cool. then there's a oh, so website, we'll leave the, um, link to the all World that Worker Project. For those who are interested. Yeah. And to our listeners, thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to like and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. And we'll see you next week. Bye. You have been listening to Work in Progress, the personal productivity science insights podcast produced by the Life Management Science Labs. Listen to episodes from LMSL's 10 Life Management Perspectives on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or other podcasting apps on your smartphone. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating our show, sharing it, and subscribing to our channel as it helps others find us and us grow to bring you more quality resources. More of our work can be found on our website at pp.lmsl.net where you can join our movement. I'm Tia Hama. Thanks for tuning in.